one of my biggest things that I had a frustration with when I was a student in high school and even in college was just how um, young I felt. Like I always was uh, judged based off of my age and I still feel that way in some capacities. And I don't think that students are given enough opportunities or seen as equals as often. So um, yeah, so some of my students, I, I try to find opportunities where I can in, empower other people. And so I've actually been partnering with like art students that are um, sitters I know, because I know like what their quality of work is and like their work ethic. Welcome to Advice with Miss B, the podcast where you'll find the advice you didn't know you needed. Join me as we dive into everyday topics from taxes to laundry and everything in between. Whether you're a high school student, college student, a young professional starting out in the workforce, or just anyone really, I aim to equip you with knowledge and insights that will make your journey through adulthood easier and more enjoyable. So this is Advice with Miss B, and let's get this learning going. Welcome to the second part of my interview with Maddie Goller, who is a children's book author, self-published. Last episode, she went through a lot of the process that she took to become self-published through Amazon. And here she continues to discuss that process with me and I asked some questions about it and stuff. And then also she talks about her inspiration and how teachers kind of affect her because I'm still a teacher at heart and that's always fun to hear. So here we go. So you, and I'll link this on my webpage too, the links to your books on Amazon. Like I'm looking at the, if you like animals you could be and you have paperback for $9.99 is it possible to to do the like the kindle version and stuff the ebook on there yeah so you can do ebook the pages have to be completely different though the, the formatting and sizing so i have attempted it a couple times but um i have not done it yet so um i'm hoping to do it in the next couple months but it's not a top priority right now People like, like I have coloring book pages in the back of most of my books. So people like that physical aspect of it. Right. That's a cool addition too. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just kind of curious if, because like whenever you order a paperback book, there's actual cost of the printing and things of that nature. So would you, I know usually the Kindle version is a little bit cheaper on Amazon, but like, would you make more of a percentage off of the Kindle version than you would off of the print version? I don't know. I don't know how much it costs. I haven't done the analysis, but I think it's like nine, like ninety nine cents or something for the Kindle is what they charge you or something. Right. Um, I'd assume. I don't. I doubt it would be free to to produce. Um, but then I would sell it for a lot less too. So I'd probably only sell it for two or three dollars. And if they're taking sixty percent, I don't know if I if it's that high of a return. But more people might buy it because it's cheaper and more accessible. So I think it's definitely worth testing and. I definitely want to test it in the near future. I think I just have enough frustrations trying to get it first live. And then when it's like, now you have to edit the format again to do this different type of book. And I'm like, oh, they've definitely been promoting it though. Every time I complete a book, it's like, make it ebook. And I thought, I wish that the button just clicked it and just transposed it over, over to an ebook, but it doesn't do that. That's interesting that I would have, I would have thought that it would have been the same like I just checked out some kid books from the library digitally for my kiddo the other day on my phone and like it's it's the exact book that you would have purchased and you can just flip through the pages and yeah I don't know what's different yeah you wouldn't think it would be that different but now I'm curious well it's funny because I also I read like I literally review a launch previewer that shows me a virtual copy of my book so I'm like why is that not the ebook 
great question. I also, I'm curious because I remember way back in the day when like iPads coming into the classroom was like the thing, like every need, every classroom needed iPads in the classroom. And I went to a training of some sort. I don't remember what it was anymore, but like, it was all about like using this e-publisher for kids to make eBooks. And like, that was one of the ways that they could demonstrate their knowledge of stuff is like have them actually publish an ebook and they could put links in it and everything else. And I was like, that's so cool. So now I'm like, why is it so hard for Amazon to do this? But okay. I know. No, I have no idea. It's, I mean, and maybe it's been changing recently. Like a new question that came up the last month was whether any AI generated content was included. And I was like, huh. So they're uh, constantly changing formats and requirements. Also, the page minimum changed recently. So you mentioned earlier that you had paid for your initial book for part of the editing process. Like, what did mm-hmm. that process entail? What did you get out of paying for that, I guess? What did they do? Yeah, so I think it was $100, if I remember correctly. And the person just went and proofread my book and just provided suggestions. Uh, they specialized in children's books. So, like, for example, like, it wasn't just, like, grammar and spelling. They looked for, like, in the book for if you like animals, it's, like, you could be this. And it's all, like, positive. And there was a couple where it was, like, oh, if you think this is scary or there's some terms and they're, like, oh, you shouldn't use the word scary because that provides, like, a negative connotation to that that um, job description or that job that you're mentioning um, so think of like a positive way to spin it. So there was a couple that I was like, Meh. like everyone knows it's a smelly job or everyone, you know, it's like, it is what it is. Um, but there was a couple that she suggested, uh, I changed, so I changed those, for example. Um, I think there was a good value for the first experience. I didn't do it again afterwards because I learned from those initial, that initial walkthrough with it, but, uh, it was definitely valuable for the first book I made. That's cool. Yeah. I would have never thought about Cause I'm like, anybody could proofread it, but like actually thinking at it from a perspective of a children's book professional, I guess you could say about the words you use and stuff. My kids have a book. Um, it's part of a popular series that I don't want to get in trouble with. So I'm not going to mention the name, (laughs) Um, but in it, there's, there's these dinosaurs and one is left all alone doing math. And he's like, Oh, I need to go find my friends because math is too hard. I can't do this alone. And I keep telling my husband for three and a half years, I've told my husband, I'm going to get a permanent marker and cross that out in the book and change it to math is no fun alone because we're already training kids to think math is hard. And I'm like, math doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. Before they even know their numbers, I keep reading this book to them that says math is hard. And so every time I read it, I change it to math is no fun to do it alone. (laughs) You don't want to teach your kids like, I guess, bad habits or put those ideas in their head before they even know. So yeah, it was definitely helpful like that approach of her like reading it through. Also some of my words were too big. She mm-hmm. said if this is your audience, you're gonna need a, like a lighter word in this area. Yeah. What is your audience? Like what age group are you aimed at? Yeah, so the book is for zero to ten, because new it depends on the book. Like the if you like animals, it's like a rhymy, cute little one. So younger kids like ages two to four can like just rhyme along or like listen to it and just have the fun of, of hearing it. But then it still has vocabulary that's um, able to be read by upwards of like 10, 11 and still be interesting. 
So elementary school is, is preferred or suggested, but um, I know like some of my friends got it for their newborns just as like a story time. My recent book, the the one that I'm publishing right now, it's called um, In the Desert. And uh, we, my one of my bosses, the one that has like eight grandkids was like, I skip pages. These need to be shorter. So I made it more inspired by her. And she read it. And she's like, this is great. One quick line. Skip a page. One quick line. She said, this is the type of book I want to read to my grandkids. Yes. It's a flip book. We often just like flip one page, flip a few pages, flip a page, flip a few. The worst is when they know, though, and they're like, you skip pages. I know. I'm like, right. oh, no. Yeah. The flip book, I think, is easy because it's not like... It jumps around already, so you you're like, wait, did you read that part or not? I don't remember because we're already on like five parts later. But yeah. <laughs> so, what marketing have you done with your book already? Yeah, so I haven't done too much. I did a lot, a couple posts on my Facebook page, like my personal Facebook page, uh, a couple on my LinkedIn. I reached out to, uh, I run a babysitting network in like the Colorado area. So I reached out to my families. I have about 800 that I work with across the front range. So um, reached out to them to share it there. Um, and then I've just been working, unfortunately, right now, living remote. Like I posted on a couple pages, which is how we got connected. Um, just trying to get advice of like how I should go about like finding, you know, areas to market. And a lot of people are like fairs and all these in-person activities. So um, I think until I'm in person again, it's it's been a little bit of a struggle trying to get the marketing out there. Uh, my friends and family have been super supportive and I'm trying to connect with like PTAs because I can use the book as a fundraiser um, mm -hmm. to help schools make money. As an author, you actually get a discount on books. So I can make it, I can buy it at cost. I have to pay for shipping and things, but um, if I buy in bulk for people, I can help them with fundraising. So it's a way that like authors can sell a book on their own. So that's what I've been trying to do is find schools or organizations that are looking for fundraisers because they can make $2 off the book, which is great um, and easy for them to make some profits. Oh, your illustrator. How did you find your illustrator? Yes. Yeah, so I was going to say, I don't know if you want to publish this, um, but uh, I can you, I can give you a publishable option answer, and then I can give you another thing. But so I found it through my babysitting network. My babysitters. Um, I work mostly with college students, and one of my favorite things I've built a lot of internship programs or like youth empowerment like programs um, throughout my like handful of years. I don't have that many years of experience in life, but um, one of my biggest things that I had a frustration with when I was a student in high school and even in college was just how um, young I felt like I always was uh, judged based off of my age and I still feel that way in some capacities and I don't think that students are given enough opportunities or seen as equals as often so um, yeah so some of my students I, I try to find opportunities where I can in, empower other people and so I've actually been partnering with like art students that are um, sitters I know because I know like what their quality of work is and like their work ethic, because I did initially pursue people through some Facebook groups I was a part of um, and had some really bad experiences, actually. So then I was like, I'm going to go to local sources that I can trust. I have two illustrators I can use currently, and then I have a third that um, I actually spoke with today that I think is going to help me with a new series I want to launch um, in the coming weeks. So um, yeah, I just source them locally. And then 
to flip that, if you're looking for an illustrator, um, if your student doesn't work out that you were talking to, um, I'm happy to post and share with some of my students to see if any of them are interested. Um, cause they are constantly, I, one of the nonprofits, I, or the social enterprises I started, I got my marketing manager from that. Um, and then if you do end up publishing, there's another author that I met. Um, she's one of the mom, the moms in my group. She started like a body image book for more for adults, but I'm going to partner with her and build one for like younger kids. Um, to feel better about who like their bodies and their body figures, et cetera. Um, and then we're going to hire a marketing intern together because, again, to the, what I was talking about with the marketing, it's such a pain. It's so hard. So we are going to go in and do it for the experience because, like, a lot of students are just looking for experience, and it's really hard to get a job like that without experience. So I'm trying to find a student that's looking for, like, a, you know, five hours a week internship that wants to build out this strategy and things which was inspired, this mom just had reached out and was like, hey, can I connect? Because, like, I would love to get a student intern to do this. And I was like, let's go in all together. <laughs> I'm part of the Gold Digger podcast Facebook group, and there's, like, social media marketers in there, like, crazy. Like, really? realize that this is, like, a full-time, own-a-business kind of marketing that's out there these days. Yeah, it's crazy what, like... I don't know. I mean, just the book too. Like there was like Instagram ad I got recently and I was like, Oh, it was someone's story. And it turns out it was a book. And I was, cause I was like, this sounds so fake. And it was, <laughs> of course. Now it makes sense. I, my objective at the end of the day is really to inspire as many students as I can to pursue their passions. I think the best words of wisdom I've ever gotten in terms of like finding the best career was from my um, U.S. or as my AP world hist world politics professor teacher, Miss um, Griffin, she said, find three things that you really like and find a career that allows you to do those. Um, and that's what got me into sustainability. What's gotten me into like community engagement. Um, I really like my top three passions are like helping others, like just the environmental side, like sustainability and travel. Um, and so my job allows me to travel. Like I have flexibility mm -hmm. for that. I'm literally working on like energy reduction efforts and like waste initiatives. And like, that's like probably like my largest passion area. And then I'm helping others. Like there's a lot of uh, community engagement, like co components of my job I do today. Um, and like a lot education awareness around what we're doing. So it's a really cool opportunity uh, for me to be able to take those three passions. So I owe a lot to Miss Griffin. <laughs> She's provided a lot of the inspiration to where I'm at today. So I'm hoping the book series help inspire students to find those passions and take them on in a long-term kind of direction. Okay, so one last quick question. Are you still in touch yeah. with Miss Griffin? I am, and I message her every year. <laughs> okay. There's three teachers I talk to probably once a year, and then my college, or my high school counselor that I'm like, they all are the reasons of where I'm at today. So I make sure that they know that every year. <laughs> Good, year. Good job. Um, yeah, I, I have an Instagram that's meant just for my students to follow me and stuff. And so every year, whenever I give my students my Instagram handle, usually it's like at the end of my class that like, hey, you're no longer in my class. Now you can have my Instagram. <laughs> Kids are always like, you have like 900 followers. And, I'm like, and that's just the kids that I've taught that want to follow me. Like that's 
not so the cool. kids that don't follow me that I've taught and everything else. And a lot of them, um, yeah, I do chat with every once in a while. I go through and I, I stalk them and see what they're doing these days and stuff. And it's pretty cool. But yeah, my t- one of my teachers actually from high school, Mr. Craig, is in the um, superheroes book because I wanted to use I like to use real people. And so I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I'm doing this book. And Mr. Craig was like just such a fun teacher. And I didn't really care for like language arts. And he just had this like fun attitude. He made everyone love school so much. And one of my favorite things, like he always dressed up and he always had such a fun little bow tie. So um, in the book, I made sure that was like illustrator. Like you need to have like a bow tie that people can color in because he'll have all these ideas for new bow ties you can get. Um, but I actually had him write like a bio about himself. And, um, so he's like in the book, which is kind of cool, but, uh, it's really, I think teachers, I don't, are not paid well enough and they are such an inspiration to like what we all do in the future. So I think it's such an incredible thing, like teaching and it's really cool how many followers you have too. You, I think that just attests to it. People want to stay in contact with you. It's nice. Like when I get messages hardly at all from kids and stuff, but it's, like they like my photos every once in a while and stuff. And, um, starting my podcast, I posted, like, I actually switched my, my teaching podcast because my students helped me create my name a long, long time ago of Buzz Goes Bee. And so I moved oh. it over to my podcast one. And so my private one is now different. Um, but I do have, I think 50 kids or so have now like transitioned over to follow my podcast one, which is kind of cool. Um, so somebody is seeing my post that I never post because I'm so horrible about it. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm, I post personally, but I don't know. We have like some business accounts. I'm like, eh. Teaching is such a, a skill. It's also a patience that I do not have. I can teach in small increments, but having a classroom, having been a student and just being so annoyed as like the nerdy student at some of the students that I had to deal with, I can't imagine being in charge of that. It sounds horrible, but it's amazing that you do that. And then you have little ones at home. So, <laughs> oh, I am taking this year off because it was chaos. Like, I can't take care of the big kids and the little kids and everything else. Um, but ironically, when I was in high school, everybody told me I'd make a great teacher. And I was like, no. And I remember um, I did drafting in high school. And Mr. Berenson, he was like, you'd make a really good teacher. And I was like, no, I could never be a teacher. I will never ever be a teacher and he was like why not? I'm like because of kids like this and I just nodded towards the kid next to me and the kid next to me was like hey are you calling me stupid I'm like I didn't say anything <laughs> and here I am years later being the teacher and yeah I don't know kids are fun though kids are I teach high schoolers I can't I can't go below eighth grade like I learned my lesson I taught sixth seventh and eighth one year and I eighth grade is my lower limit and they must rotate every hour like I can't, I can't, I have to switch classes. I can't be in the same classroom with the same kids all day long. It drives me nuts. What, what do you teach then in high school? Like biology or are you um, PE classes or? So uh, no, not PE classes. Um, I am a science teacher, but my focus is in physics. And so most recently I am a physics teacher. That's what I teach. So. Oh, cool. I loved physics. That was a cl- fun class. Right. If you cool. have a good teacher, it's a fun class. If you don't, it's a nightmare. So. I had Mr. Munoz, and he was married to our Spanish teacher, Mrs. Munoz. Aww. They were, they were cute. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. We'll chat. Awesome. We'll totally. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm excited. 
Well, have a great weekend and happy holidays. You too. And someday I want to talk about your real job too. Well, this is yeah. I know environmental stuff is so fun. I love to nerd out on it. It is. Algae is my least favorite thing, but I I like the big picture stuff. Huge thank you to Maddie Goller for bearing with me during my first interview process, helping me figure out the technology and how everything works. And if you have not already done so, go to my website, buzzgoesbee.com, and you can find links to her books on Amazon. She has multiple. Um, She has If You Like Animals, Then You Can Be, If You Like Superheroes, Then You Can Be, and ABC Careers. So go check them out. Help support a self-published children's book author who is doing awesome things to change the world for a better place. And make sure if you have not already gone back and listened to the first part of the interview that you do that. That's the last episode I published. And I can't wait to interview more people.